Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Hi friends, welcome to Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode 12, in which I tell you a cringy story from my past. This is by request, actually, from my friend Hannah Blackwell from Charlotte, North Carolina. What's up, Hannah? Thank you so much for this. It is a really fun question. Back when I first announced the podcast, Hannah had asked me uh, to share some cringy stories from just starting out, and that sounded like a lot of fun, so I'm going to do that. But first, if you notice some crud in my voice, it's because I'm getting over the plague. I think I'm on day three or four. Who's counting, right? It's just days of being on the couch, covered in a blanket, and watching reruns of Outlander. I have no apologies to make about that. I hope that you do not have the plague, and if you do, and I think you probably have, because it sounds like almost everyone does, um, feel better soon. And, you know, rest. (laughs) Why is that so hard? God, I feel like it's been this, the subject of at least three of the podcasts I've made. I've only made 11. So yeah, learning how to rest. Who knew that was going to be like the great trial of our times? So today I'm going to tell you a story from my past. And like most of my stories, it's didactic in nature. Um, I don't know why, it just makes sense to me. It's how I work. Like when I tell a story, it comes with a lesson. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's ever going to change. So uh, picture this. Uh, It's Seattle. I think it must be around 2012. I've been working for several years, and I was an ambitious little bug. And uh, I and some friends of mine decided, let's organize, and we'll create a company. Uh, None of this is cringy, by the way. This is all totally freaking normal thing to do uh, when you're an ambitious emerging artist, and your friends are too. Yeah. Go, make that company, organize, do that thing. So we did, and I had the idea uh, to uh, put us up for um, a production that was happening in Seattle at the time. I'm going to get into that in a little bit bit further, because that was uh, the first big red flag. Um, However, I'm just going to describe the green lights as I saw them. So there's There was a club in Seattle at the time. I knew that it had aerial points installed in it. I knew the rigor and I knew his work. I knew it was good work. So I knew that the points were safe and that I could test them. I also knew that these points were not being used on the regular. And a large amount of my income uh, at that time was coming from regular local gigs. And by regular, I mean weekly, bi-weekly, even monthly, things that were really dependable. And when things are dependable, especially when you're in your local community, like a restaurant or a club or a bar, those things are generally paid lower, but it's regular. And that's how that works um, most of the time. So I says to myself, self, those points aren't being used in that club. If I can just organize a way to perform something spectacular on them, then surely they will allow me to come in for a meeting in which I will be able to make my case with plenty of numbers and evidence why they should hire us on a weekly basis. 
because it had worked very well for some other locations in town to bring in lots of business on days that were slow, like Sunday and Monday traditionally can be very slow uh, in the restaurant business or whatever, and um, having live entertainment can turn that around. That was the case I had planned to make. I had it all laid out, y'all. I had, I had numbers, figures, I had pictures. I was prepared. So to do that, I found a way in. There is an organization that you may be aware of called Raw Artists. Now, I don't know who runs Raw Artists. I don't know if they're even still in existence. But the thing about this organization at the time was uh, they would put on a show for local artists. And I do, I do mean any artist, performing artist, textile, fashion. There was almost always a fashion show component. Um, performing artists would perform something, painters would sell their wares, jewelers would sell jewelry, and, uh, you know, sounds great, right? Kind of like a indoor farmer's market, but for artists. However, to, I know, I, I can see like hundreds of you right now shaking your heads because you know exactly what I'm about to say, and I am going to say it, to participate in this production, you had to uh, sell tickets. This is the business model they were using, and this should have been a clue to me. And it really was. I was like, this doesn't seem right. Uh, but I had my plan, and my plan sounded really, really good to me. So I was like, hey, it's an experiment like anything else. I'm going to do it. Here's the real kicker. At this time, if you did not sell enough tickets to uh, the production then you and the rest of your cronies involved in your crew would have to cover the cost. A moment of silence for the shaking of your heads. Uh, that's correct. Uh, but still, tally-ho, we pressed forward. We sold the tickets. I never thought that we wouldn't because we had a really supportive community. So me and my girl Bridget, we choreographed a doubles act on Double Open Hammock. That was so cumbersome to say. Anyway, we duplicated the rigging uh, height and the space between uh, the, du the two points, and we choreographed this act. Uh, it was a lovely act, and the show went great, so on and so forth. It was fun. We had a table and everything. I think I have a picture from it somewhere. Um, then it's time for me to swoop in and secure the deal. So, of course, I reach out to um, the club owner, the next day and asked him what he thought of the show and said, thank you so much for having us. We had a blast. And the owner wrote me back this really enthusiastic email about how amazing we were and how everyone loved it and that we were welcome back to do a free show anytime we wanted. That silence is there on purpose. I'm going to say it again. Free show anytime you want. So not only was I not going to get a chance to pitch my brilliant idea of hiring us every week, uh, but I had so far passed the mark that this individual was actually believing they were doing me a favor by offering to give me free performance space so that I wouldn't have to pay to go to work. 
I am not enjoying telling this story, by the way. <laughs> it's it's not one of my proudest memories. Um, I got that email, you know, I followed up. I did the whole thing where I educate kindly and explain that actually this does have value, but at that point, it was too late. I, they had already had it for free. They had already had it for free and knew that we were on the hook for paying for it and that we had labored to produce or to help this thing come to uh, fruition, which we didn't really have a dog in the fight of. And in their eyes, like the value was nothing. The value was in our enjoyment. That's what it looked like from where they were sitting. Uh, we didn't work for money. We worked for our own enjoyment. And while I do agree that you should enjoy your work, I also agree that getting paid for it is a pretty nice side effect of going to work. So, dear listeners, here's where I went wrong. You already know. Okay, uh, the very, very first place that my judgment was compromised is when I did something that was outside of my integrity because I knew that money should flow towards the artist. And in the setup of this company, money was not flowing towards the artist. This is called Yogg's Law. Yogg's Law is written for writers, and uh, it reads that money should flow towards the writer. And this was, um, it became an axiom uh, to to dissuade writers um, from falling prey to scammy things like a company saying, we will make your book a number one bestseller. All you have to do is pay us 50 grand up front. Um, that is not how publishing works. And uh, so remembering Yogg's Law could help new and emerging and ambitious writers not fall prey to scams, where people were promising them big, big rewards for an upfront cost. Uh, money should flow towards the writer. Money should also flow towards the artist. And the only exceptions to this rule, as far as I know, are self-produced work, where you are choosing to create the work and you are funding the work yourself, or, you know, self-publishing, stuff like that. Uh, so this was against Yogg's Law, the fact that the artists themselves not only had to sell tickets to the event in order for the privilege of sharing a stage for no pay, um, but also if they didn't sell enough tickets, then their ass would be on the line for the leftover amount. Uh, this was not cool. Uh, and I knew that it wasn't cool and I did it anyway because I had my eye on a bigger prize and I was like, okay, if you want to make an omelet, you got to crack some eggs. And I was like, I'll just crack this golden egg that should never be cracked. Um, so I did. And, uh, the second place I went wrong in my cringy, brilliant scheming was that, um, what we were selling, I was trying to sell it on the premise that, the only way that you can sell something like that is an illicit addictive substance. Like, I'll give you the first taste for free. That only works in very specific scenarios with um, probably illegal, highly addictive substances. It doesn't work for performance art because once you give someone something for free, it tends to lose its value in that person's eyes. I'm like, well, I already had it for free, so I already pay for it. And by then, my argument, which was valid that it would be good for business, uh, wasn't going to be 
it was going to fall on deaf ears because to see the return for that kind of investment takes time. It takes time and multiple iterations of a thing to bear fruit. It was not going to bear its fruit in a single evening. Uh, But, you know, we charged through, we did the thing anyway, and, you know, guess what happened? A whole bunch of nothing. I have sat on this story uh, since 2011, (laughs) not wanting to tell it. Uh, But, you know, here I am. So, begging you to remember the axiom of Yogg's Law, money should flow toward the artist. And if you do get contacted by someone who is making you big promises or even medium promises or any promises at all, because you cannot promise something in performing arts and in entertainment. So if someone is giving you, offering you promises in exchange for an upfront amount of money, um, one, I would say, you know, run the other direction, but at the very least, do your research, uh, find out if this has worked for anyone before, you know, be extremely skeptical, like, a a healthy cynicism above about these things uh, and just view it with a critical lens so that, um, you know, you don't get screwed. And just to be clear, no one was making us any such promises at the time. They didn't promise us anything. We knew the devil whose mouth we were walking into and we did it anyway because, you know, I had a plan. Uh, so, but just like in general, anyone making the big promises for an upfront fee, mm, probably not. So uh, without being so much of a downer, I want to talk about what I did right in the situation because there's a whole lot of right going on, um, regardless of the red flags that I charged through on my chariot of fire. The thing that I did right was that I did something, was that I took a chance and I treated it as an experiment and I put myself out there and I did make something and I made it with my friends and we organized and do you know what? It worked. Like, it didn't work for this one particular instance, but we got plenty of gigs and we did like our organization did pay off uh, and paid for itself many times over or, you know, until I moved to San Francisco and... <laughs> Even after that, it worked a few times after that. Uh, and and then, you know, it didn't work because I wasn't there anymore. But all of that organization and, you know, getting our shit together so that we could make those kinds of asks, it did work. Um, so I just wanted you to know that no shame in the game. Whatever you want to try, you want to experiment, you want to put yourself out there and perform as much as possible, find ways to do that, you know, no shade. And you will learn every time that you fail, you will learn like failure is a much better lesson um, than success. And I don't even really think of that as a failure. I think of it as a mildly embarrassing lapse of judgment on my part, but you know, not embarrassing enough not to tell all of you about it. So key takeaways here, my friends, Yogg's Law, Money should flow toward the artist. And uh, also, you know, I'll give you the first taste for free. doesn't really work uh, when you want to sell art. And if I'm wrong, please tell me that story because I'm dying to hear it. But do take chances. Do organize with your friends. 
I'm going to call this uh, short and sweet today because I haven't used my voice much and it's already feeling pretty tired. So uh, you can reach me at Rachel Strickland Creative on Instagram or on Patreon. Same handle pretty much everywhere and rachelstricklandcreative.com. Would love to hear your thoughts. Would love to hear any requests you have for future episodes. Mostly, I just want to say thank you so much for being here and take care of yourselves. Get your shit together if you don't. Organize, play with your friends, make something cool, make something dumb. Who cares? Just make something. May the muse be kind to you and don't go back to sleep. <laughs>